Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Devin Hassan and David Woolman. Uh, gentlemen, it is 3 o'clock on the dot, Wednesday afternoon, and we are here to preview, I guess, the final week of the regular season for at least our 5A and 6A high schools, and that means starting with our game of the week, um, as voted on by y'all. So big thanks to everybody who voted in this week's poll. Um, you know, we're closing out the regular season as far as the game of the week polls go on a high note, because this was at the start of the year, this was just about as good a regular season matchup as you can make in in the entire state, for that matter. Let alone at the uh, at Class Five A, it is um it's a matchup that you kind of had a sense it was going to come down to this as far as deciding the District Five Five A Division One Championship, and that is a meeting Friday seven o'clock out at C H Collins Stadium in Denton. First go Lone Star taking on number one ranked Denton Ryan. Um, you know if you guys will remember, these two teams actually began the season ranked number one and two in the state according to uh, Dave Campbell's Texas football Denton Ryan has held firm onto that number one ranking Lone Star had that you know that uh that slow start out of the gates that 0-2 start and they dropped down a little bit but they have since righted the ship um obviously you know there's plenty of backstory to this matchup partly why this matchup on Friday is so intriguing um you know for those who do not know these two teams played each other last year in the state semifinals in class 5a division one they both entered that game with identical 14-0 records, a very, very uh, highly anticipated matchup, and it uh, it turned into just an absolute just clinic by that uh, by the Ryan Raiders, a 35 to seven victory as they would go on to uh, finish as state runner up in um, in 5A Division One, and then realignment. You fast forward a couple months to realignment, and then I mean. I can only imagine just what was going through the the, uh, just the respective coaches when they saw the uh, the printout um, out in Birdville and they saw that they had in fact been aligned into the same district, and um, you just have this supersized district that includes two of the absolute best teams in the state. And the way that the schedule shook out then to where this is now on the last night of the regular season, whether that's by coincidence or not. Yeah, I don't know if that's a coincidence, <laughs> but. It's certainly uh, it's certainly very fitting, just because this is if you're looking to just get a little bit of momentum and just get some sense of a playoff caliber opponent, a playoff caliber atmosphere, um, as these two teams now um, are set to begin their postseason conquest next week. I mean, what a what a way to to part the regular season in the game that's as you know as one might have expected at the start of the year it was going to come down to these two. They're both undefeated in district. Uh, Ryan is six and zero. Oh, Lone Star's five and zero. Oh, and um, yeah, Friday and Denton it'll be for uh, for all the marbles. So um, yeah. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about this matchup, a very, very highly anticipated matchup Friday out in Denton. Uh, Devin, we can start with those Lone Star Rangers. Um, you know, like I said, it was a bit of an uncharacteristic start to the year for them. They did start the season 0-2, albeit two losses by a combined three points. So it's not like they were just getting, you know, run off the field or anything. Actually, I believe it was five points. I take that back. Yeah. Um, in, uh, in losses to North Forney and Alito. It was actually the first time since their winless 2010 season that they began the year 0-2. But things 
have obviously, uh, you know, looked a bit more familiar ever since. You know, they're 5-0 and in district play, and they've sort of had their way with the rest of Frisco ISD, as has been the case in recent years. So, um, so Devin, talk a little bit about the Rangers and just kind of what is, um, just kind of what, how they're looking heading into this, uh, this pivotal matchup on Friday. Oh, I mean, they, they've read it into form. I, I don't think there was any reason for anybody to panic. I know they didn't over in the in the Lone Star Fieldhouse. And, you know, we just, you know, looking at who they play, you know, a very good North Forney team uh, that kind of flies under the radar, which is kind of Randy Jackson's MO, with yeah. the, especially in an early season game. Um and then Alito. I mean, you know, there's no, there's no, there's no shame at least losing those games. Um, but uh, you know, I just they, they, they once they got a district play and settled down, um, you know, they just got out there taking care of business for the most part. Uh, you know, Garrett Rangel. Uh, you know, one thing you, you kind of look to see was kind of the growth from his sophomore to junior mm-hmm. campaign. Uh, you know, he doesn't have quite the gaudy numbers because they haven't. Number one, he, he had yeah. 15 games to put those numbers up last year. And his uh, top target is currently playing his yeah. craft at Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, no Marvin Mims this year, yeah. but they've got a really nice receiving core. Yeah, you know, Trace no Brunkler and some of those guys. Um, but I guess kind of one of the things I looked at was just to kind of see how his evolution. You know, he completed 69% of his passes last year, mm-hmm. nearly 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns, but also 10 interceptions. Uh, this year, not quite the numbers, uh, you know, the yardage numbers, but 19 touchdowns, but only one interception so mm-hmm. far. So, uh, that was the one thing I think that hurt them in the uh, state semifinal last year against Ryan was the four turnovers. For sure. And, and three of those were interceptions. And, and part of that was the fact that, that Lone Star just could not run the ball. Um, and so they had to press. And as a sophomore in a state semifinal game, I think, you know, he's trying to find Marvin Mims. He's trying to find Marvin Mims, and obviously Ryan was all over Martin, uh, Marvin Mims, and it forced him into some mistakes, especially when they fell behind. So, you know, we'll see what if they can establish, you know, with, with Jaden Nixon in that ground game this week. I think mm-hmm. that's going to be important to have that balance. Uh, but again, you know, I think this is a this is a good opportunity for both teams. You know, we talk about it in other sports uh, because they have a chance to have a warm up game going in, and so with basketball or baseball or softball, you'll see these big powerhouses schedule one another because it's a good chance to to play against that level of competition going forward. Mm-hmm. Both these teams have state title aspirations. Yeah. Um, obviously, they would like to get the number one seed. They'd like to get that district championship. But they're looking at this as okay, this is our measuring stick on what we need to do going forward because you know we're not just planning on playing this week. We're We've been planning or planning on planning it to January. One aspect with um, with Lone Star's offense that I've really been impressed by, um, as far as maybe a different wrinkle than what they had last season, it comes in the run game, and we mentioned Jaden Nixon, but it's also the uh, the role that Ashton Gianti has played yep. all of a sudden now. And this is, I mean, he's got to be just a just a coach's dream with just the number of roles that he can fill. If you remember, he was used on both sides of the ball, I believe, last season. He played some linebacker. He was used as a receiver. Well, he's now being used um, in addition to being the team's second leading receiver. He's now helped spelling Nixon in the backfield yeah. as well. And whenever the ball's in his hands, he's making things happen. He's averaging over nine, nine yards, yards a carry. Yeah. And just the just the the wrinkle that that gives them now, just another dimension of that offense that they didn't have last season. It's, I mean, despite the turnover, you know, with not having Marvin Mims and who had, I mean, maybe the best single season effort by a receiver in Texas high school football history last season. The offense overall, though, at least points wise, isn't really that far off where they were at last year. Just 47.3 points per game compared to 48 point four last year you know so and again you mentioned 
mentioned just the uptick in efficiency for um, for Rangel. You know, since that 0-2 start, though, during district play, he's um, he's upped his completion percentage to 72% in district ball games. Like you mentioned, just one interception. That pick came in the opener against North Forney, so he hadn't thrown a pick since their first game of the season. Um, and then um, just you look at the uh, at just the the defense, and I mean, just the, I mean, you knew that's kind of the the side of the ball that Lone Star, at least during this this run of theirs, this run of dominance atop Frisco ISD, that they've consistently been able to hang their hat on is just some great defensive play. And I mean, you look at some of these numbers that they've put up on the season, and you have to just you have to just for a layer of context remember that it's over the course of just seven games played. So when I say that this defense has so far intercepted twelve passes, they forced five fumbles, twenty six and a half sacks over just seven games played. I mean, man, they are they are just an absolute just beast of a unit. And just you look at just the strength in that linebacker core, you know, with with Blake Gocher and, and Alessio Russalio, both of whom have been in on more than eighty tackles this season. Gocher has six and a half sacks, three interceptions. That's a team high. Their linebacker has a team high in interceptions, and then Russalio, you know. Six forced fumbles, four sacks. They've got six more sacks up front from Isaiah Whitaker. I mean, just the pressure that they are putting on teams this year is just so, so impressive. Um, and then, but the thing is, it's like a lot of those same traits apply to Denton Ryan. <laughs> and some even more so. I mean, when you look at just the continuity that they have in a lot of areas in that team. And David, you got to see Ryan earlier in the year um, when they played Frisco Wakeland. I believe Wakeland was undefeated at the time, and mm-hmm. it was a pedal of unbeatens um, to see who gets a, a, an early shot at, uh, at 5-5-A Division One bragging rights and uh oh boy did that not work out well for the uh, for the wolverines so um when nope. you just kind of think back to that matchup and you're uh, you're the only one here that's among us that has seen uh, denton ryan play this year what um what do you recall about that performance from ryan and just give me some impressions on what you saw out of the raiders that night it was just denton ryan being denton ryan that's yeah yeah explosive on offense timely on defense mm-hmm. um like hennigan he was just throwing deep balls left and right in that game um he's a memphis commit um you know, he he was obviously looking for uh, uh, Billy Bowman Jr., you know, mm-hmm. going wide. And Bowman's like one of those players. He can play so many roles on that team yeah. right there. Um, they got a couple guys like, like that. Yeah, 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 just a few games. Yeah. Um, so, um, the, like, uh, Jatavian Sanders actually didn't play in that first first half for some reason. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know why, but... Um, like uh, Billy Bowman, you know, they put him in a running back position. He could score a touchdown. They put him in a wide receiver position. He can score a touchdown. For sure. Um, him and Hennigan just have that chemistry just going back to all the times, you know, that they've played so many games for meaningful games for Denton Ryan. Um, and, like, Hennigan, he was probably throwing, you know, 20, 30 yards down the field. He, he In that game, uh, he, he wanted to take a lot of gambles going down the field. He wanted to apply the pressure on Wakeland right away. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and for the season, he's thrown for 2,014 yards, 20 touchdowns. Uh, he does have four interceptions, but so that's a pretty good ratio right for there. Sure. Yeah. And th- this is a Denton Ryan offense that can just score at will. Um, in that game, um, Kiori Hicks, who's their star running back, mm-hmm. he actually got injured early in that game, and like he had close to 100 yards like for the first quarter and a half, I think it was, Jeez. before he went off and set off for the rest of the game. But he's already uh, close to 600 rushing yards for the season and has six touchdowns. So, like if Hennigan's not throwing the ball, guess who you have running the ball? Kiori Hicks right there. So, I mean, they, it's a team that, like I said, it can score well. Um, another player who's really come along is sophomore Jordan Bailey. Mm-hmm. Um, he has uh, 400. Uh, 12 yards on just 26 receptions for five touchdowns. So, I mean, you throw him, a younger guy, like him into the mix right there, it's just like, you know, hey, we can, you know, double this guy, but this guy is going to get open. So it's like pick your poison right there. Uh, And then defensively, I mean, they're – 
they can just they can just shut you down. Like they're just like Lone Star's defense. They got all that talent on defense. And you know, we know we have Billy Bowman coming back on you know, and then obviously Jatavian Sanders, those two guys can play whatever position they want to on defense. Um but another guy who's come into this year is Bear Alexander. <laughs> So just Bear add that Alexander. to the mix right there. I mean, I think he's a four-star commit who had like over twenty uh, Division One offers right oh, there. Yeah. So he's he's tearing it up, you know. And he didn't he didn't come wasn't with them with the start of the season. Now he got declared eligible, you know, a few games into the season. Mm-hmm. So he's just tearing it up as well too. Um, and this defense right there for the season, they have seventy-two tackles for loss. Yeah, that's, so, that so, makes sense. I believe it. So yeah, game. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, up front, you know, they're a lot up front. Uh, Mason Davis has four sacks, t- uh, fifteen tackles for loss. Michael G, who's another defensive tackle, nine tackles for loss, thirty-one tackles. So, I mean, up front in the secondary. They, they can all make plays. The thing that stands out with Ryan, and first off, like with Dent Ryan, I mean, their their story's been pretty well documented <laughs> over the years. I mean, they've been right on the doorstep so many times of being able to punch through and get that elusive state championship. They, I mean, they made the state semifinals three years in a row, came up short. Then last year, they finally got over the hump and beating Lone Star, only then to fall short against Shadow Creek, 28-22. to I mean, this year, it's, I mean, the stars have kind of aligned in a sense that it feels like this, if there was ever a team at Ryan that was built to finally, uh, you know, finally, again, bring home that uh, that state championship. This was it. And you look at the way that they've conducted business up to this point. The offense, 506.1 yards per game, 48 points per game. Um, you know, you mentioned Hennigan. And the thing about the passing offense that stands out, just in addition to just the stats, is per pass, more than 12 yards per pass from this guy, or from this, not this guy, but this Ryan offense. And defensively, I mean, like you said, 72 tackles for loss on max preps, which honestly... You look at the way that like, this is just going off of what's on max preps, and there's only two players that actually have stats tabulated on defense for all eight games played this season, and that's Bowman and Sanders. So there's a chance that that number might actually be on the low side. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, just, it speaks to just how, how tough a challenge it is to move the ball on this, uh, on this Ryan defense. And it's not even just with, with Sanders and Bowman, but Anthony Hill Jr., just a sophomore, but he's already near the top of the team in tackles. You know, Mason Davis, DJ Arkansas, their linebacker, Ty Marsh, who can play all all over in the uh, on the backside and um, yeah and with Bear especially too because like I said that's an element that they hadn't didn't have for like at least for the for, for the uh, for the first half of the season and then he just gets cleared to play you know last month so and you just saw you saw in that game last week against Independence kind of a microcosm of his impact because again you're now adding a six three three hundred and twenty five pound defensive tackle to what was already a stacked defensive line it's just it's riches on top of riches and you saw in that game against Independence. In the second half, there was a sequence where um, Alexander is able to get pressure on Braylon Braxton to force an errant throw that winds up being a pick six for Billy Bowman. So just one side complementing the other, and it just it creates what's been, you know, arguably the best defense in the state this season. Just 15.5 points per game allowed, 192 yards per game allowed. Um, I mean, they're just they're so freaking good. And <laughs> that was, um, I mean, that was the part of last year's game, you know, when these two teams played in the semifinals that perhaps shine more than any other when you think of what that Lone Star offense was doing leading up to that game and just some of the teams that they had been able to you know pile up points on whether it was Lancaster or Highland Park and I mean they were fortunate to not get shut out in that game they they 
almost essentially did. <laughs> they, they scored 30 a game. I mean, that was their low to- yeah. point total for a game all season long was 30 before that uh, before that game. So that kind of leads me to just a couple uh, couple subplots heading into this one that I want to just kind of kick around a bit. And that's just kind of honestly because you can't talk about this game, Freddie, without revisiting what happened last year. So just, I mean, what went wrong? I mean, because I remember sitting here in this room. It was, I believe, you, me, and Brian, Brian Murphy. And, I mean, do, were we all picking? Did you pick Ryan? Do you recall if you picked Ryan in that game? I know Brian was picking Lone Star, and I think I picked Lone Star I, as well. I want to say I picked Lone Star just because I think Murphy homered me into it. <laughs> um, but. I mean, you know, you look back at the stats, the Lone Star defense didn't play poorly. Mm-hmm. I mean, they allowed 333 yards, 151 through the air. They actually did a good job yeah. limiting what that passing game. It was, it was Imani Bailey that killed them on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I just – you know, I think it was just a matter, like you say, of, of that big stage and, you know, the team that gets out to the lead – um, has such an advantage mm-hmm. just from a, a nerve standpoint, just from calming down, especially when you've got a sophomore quarterback. Um, you know, and, and I, th- I think that uh, once they were able to do, they didn't shut down Marvin Mims, but he had their full attention. And um, that Lone Star team, I don't, I don't know if they knew how to, to go to other, not feel, felt confident enough in mm-hmm. going to their other players. Um, whereas this year, without that one bona fide go-to guy, I think that might actually help them. Mm-hmm. In that game last year, I was actually looking this up. Um, Monster actually had some chances early in that game. They did. They had a. I think they. I think they had drives of twelve and fourteen plays, but mm-hmm. they didn't come up with points either time. So this time around, you know they've. Lone Star's got to score touchdowns early. There was, you know, because you think early on, and I believe, yeah, there was a drive where they marched into Ryan territory, but then they turn it over on downs. They got stuffed on, I think it was a fourth and three. And then I think the falling possession was actually the first of the uh, of the four turnovers. So there were just a lot of momentum sequences there that went Ryan's way early on before they blew the game open as things progressed. And I just, I, I remember just seeing, I mean, just what a, just the, the havoc that that Ryan defensive front was able to cause. And it was, I mean, Garrett Rangel was, he was either just going back through the numbers, he was either brought down at or behind the line of scrimmage, I think seven times in that game. Jatavian Sanders alone had three sacks in that win for Ryan. Um, and again, it just led to a really, really uncharacteristic performance. Just 265 yards of offense for Lone Star, the four turnovers. That's, again, that is a very, very efficient offense traditionally. And um, and I, honestly, it could have been more because I believe there actually was a pick six by Drew Sanders, who's, you know, since graduated, that actually was negated by a penalty. So it actually could have been a little worse in some respects. Um, so, yeah, a, just a very, very uncharacteristic effort by Lone Star. So then looking ahead to, um, you know, to Friday, it's, a, it's again, it's a different team, different makeup and whatnot. Um, but how can, what can Lone Star do to close the gap on Ryan? They've got to frustrate them with their defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can't allow just Hennigan just to throw 60-yard bombs and, you know, get you know, long touchdown pass after long touchdown pass, they kind of make them earn it, mm-hmm. you know, three, four yards at a time. And, you know, with Hennigan used to throwing those long touchdown passes, if they can hold him to those short short games right there, it's going to frustrate him a little bit, get into his head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I mentioned, you know, or a few minutes ago, just the their inability to run the ball last year was such a big, yeah. a big factor. It, but it's easier said than done. I can sit there and say, oh, the key to the game is for Lozart to establish the run. But then – Look at the Ryan defensive <laughs> line. How I mean, I mean, it's not you know, it's it's not something that you could just snap your fingers and make it happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I mean, yeah, I think they're gonna have to be honest. I think they're gonna have to be try to be balanced. But uh, I think a lot of it's gonna be how they adjust to what the Ryan, the Ryan defense is doing, and um, 
you know, if, if that defensive line continues to dominate the way they've dominated mm-hmm. other teams, the way they dominated last year, they're going to have to get creative uh, and adjust and, and find some different ways to move the ball. Because, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is a lot of pressure on that Lone Star offensive line just to keep Rangel upright and just give that offense a chance to breathe a little bit in this one. So I don't know if you have to find ways to maybe speed up your offense a bit, maybe, you know, I mean, work more of a quick game. And just I'm, I'm curious to see how they establish a runner like Janty, just because, that's again, that's just a wrinkle that they didn't have last season. This kid didn't. I don't believe he had a single carry last year so they've kind of unlocked this aspect of their offense that wasn't there last season when you look at his just his just the overwhelming talent and big playability that he's brought to the table I don't know I just think that's something that could potentially sway in their favor um, yeah. you know, whereas they weren't able to establish that run game last year it's just it's a different athlete than what they had yeah, last and, and he may be one of those guys that, that you see fill in that, that can do the misdirection that can take yeah. the, the screen passes and just little short routes and turn them into a big play and I was also curious so regardless of what happens Friday these two teams are going to be in the playoffs and they're going to be the first seed or the second seed coming out of a 5-5A Division One. So I was curious just kind of the ramifications looking ahead to the postseason, if there is much of a difference getting that top seed versus getting the second seed because, you know, there's some stuff that's out of their control as far as how the bracket shakes out and that might be, you know, might be more beneficial to play one side of the bracket versus the other because that's how this is going to shake out. Ryan's going to be on one half of the Region 2 bracket. Lone Star is going to be on the other half regardless of what their seed is um, because you look at this uh, and Again, rankings are, it's like you mentioned, you know, off, off camera, Devin, it is tough to know how much to read into rankings just because of the nature of the season this year and whatnot. But if you at least take the top 10 in 5A Division One, um, you know, for what it is, five teams from that, uh, from that top 10 poll are in Region 2. So, and, that's, and that is one aspect with Ryan that I'm curious to see how that now translates to the playoffs because they've, you know, they're coming over from Region 1 these last couple of years where they've kind of had a bit of a, they've really met a whole lot of resistance yeah. in getting to the, uh, at least getting to the state semifinals. And that was one of the things that kind of, I guess, threw us a little bit off the set last year was that, you know, they just hadn't really been pushed a whole lot leading up to that game against Lone Star. Well, if they get out of Region 2, they will certainly have had to have conquered most likely a bit of a, a bit of a gauntlet of opponents because you look elsewhere in, the, uh, in that region and you could potentially run into number two ranked Highland Park, number three ranked Lancaster. Lancaster or number eight ranked Longview, and then heck, you might get a rematch between these two teams if they're able to make it to the uh, to the fourth round. Um, so, as far as what it means to be on one side of the bracket for the other, it kind of. It doesn't really matter, honestly, as far as it kind of shakes out, because, you know, you're looking, if you, uh, whoever gets the one seed, they're going to be on the same side as uh, as Lancaster and potentially Longview, but those two teams could conceivably match up in the second round. So that's dodging one bullet right there. And then, you know, whoever the uh, the 5-5A Division one one seed is, if they advance to the third round, they would likely get either Lancaster or Longview, the winner of that second round matchup. Whereas on the uh, on the bottom half of the bracket, whoever the two seed is from 5-5A Division one they would uh, most likely run into Highland Park in the third round if the uh, if the matchups materialize that way. There's also, I guess, a, a second round matchup against the uh, the one seat from eight five A, which is uh, Magnolia looming. But um, uh, yeah. But as far as again, like just the, I don't think the uh, there's just any massive chasm between you know like Highland Park or Lancaster or Longview this year. And it's um, yeah. I mean, either way, it's you know to get to that fourth round is going to be a, it's going to be a bit of a gauntlet no matter which uh, which spot you finish in the uh, in the bracket. So that's um. Yeah, just kind of a look as far as what is at stake heading into this one. As far as a prediction goes, do we see history repeating itself? Does Lone Star score a measure of revenge? How did we? Uh, how are we feeling about this one? No, 
No. <laughs> I, I don't think it's going to be the same type of – like I say, you look at the numbers. And I wasn't at the game, but I don't think – those teams weren't 28-point difference yeah. last year. I just think there's there's so much star power on both sides, college potential, yeah. but then there's star power. And Jatavian Sanders and Billy Bowman, it's not – they could just do so many different things. We were talking about their, their your receiving numbers. But over the course of conversation, we also talked about uh, Jatavian Sanders coming off the edge on the end. Billy Bowman with a pick six. You know, Billy Bowman coming out of the backfield, you know, rushing, running the ball. They can play special teams. I mean, you know, it's just they can do so many different things. Yeah. And there's just such – they're elite athletes that, that you know – that are going to be playing at the next level, and they could be one day in the NFL. I mean, that's that's the kind of talent these guys are. And um, the potential to make game-changing plays is just so hard. Mm-hmm. And we got two of them that, that play, you know, could play all three phases of the game. Uh, it's, it's going to be, I think, a game of big plays, and I think one of these guys is going to be a difference maker. You can even – you're mentioning special teams. You can get one of these guys for a 95-yard kickoff return, and that could be the difference in the game. Pretty much. So, I mean, either Sanders or Bowman, and uh, it's it's not going to be a very high, it's not going to be like a 45 to 14 game by any by any reason. Just knowing that these two defenses right here, but um, like Devin said, it's it's going to come down to one of those two players right there, and they're going to have like one incredible play that makes a difference. Yeah, I'm kind of in constant. I think last year's game might have maybe sold that Lone Star team a little bit short, just given how well they played. And yeah, it's just kind of a more of a snowball thing of you know more than anything. I don't believe those two teams really are just 28 point. There was a 28 point separation between these two, but I'm kind of in concert with you guys. I just like the continuity that Ryan has going right now with so much back from that team last season. Seven starters back on defense, and that's not including the addition of Bear Alexander, who's just again just an absolute wrecking ball inside on the defensive line. And um, I don't know. I just like I think this Ryan team is. I think this is the year for Ryan. Not to tip my hand as far as when we get into the you know playoff predictions later on in the. Uh, in the postseason, but I just I think everything is setting up for this Ryan team to make a special special run, and um, yeah, and I think they uh, you know they make a bit of a statement in terms of uh, putting away that five five A Division One championship with a win over Lone Star. So uh, yeah, a clean sweep. We all foresee the Ryan Raiders uh, remaining undefeated, maintaining their perch atop five A Division One with a win Friday against Lone Star in our reader voted game of the week. Once again, this game Friday seven o'clock at its C H Collins Stadium. Um, again, hopefully it's a more competitive game than last year you know we were all so jazzed up for that matchup last season and just couldn't believe just what it was what it turned into when all was said and done so uh, yeah we'll see what is in store friday out in denton um okay so let's then kick around a few other games that were up for consideration for game of the week including one that was actually just a few votes away from being named game of the week altogether and this is another matchup involving a frisco isd school it's another matchup involving 55a division one we talked on monday about that log jam for a um you know for a, uh, one of the remaining playoff spots in the district, and there's a very pivotal game out at Tommy Briggs Stadium in the Colony that will decide one of those playoff spots, and it features the Colony, the Cougars, hosting Frisco Reedy. Um, David, this is a uh, matchup that uh, you've uh, at least taken an eye towards, so I'm um, talking a bit about what um, what stands out about this matchup to you, and ultimately, where are you leaning? This is a game I was really wanted to jump on and cover. Unfortunately, somebody beat, beat me yeah. to the punch for that. Apparently, I answer called this one like three weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so unfortunately I didn't get dibs on that one. But this is a game, if you're reading, it's like, like how do you rebound from last week mentally? Yeah, that's weird. Like, no, like you lose 35-33 to 33 to a Centennial team that's not going to make the playoffs. And in that game, you're up 24-7 to 7 with 514 left in the first half. Yeah. So, like, you know, Reedy's a good team. They've, they've already had six wins this year. Um, but 
it, last week was a game that all you had to do is win to get in the playoffs. So now, like, 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 how do you mentally recover from from something like that happen like that mm-hmm. to a team that you're expected to win win against and a team you're up against leading by 17 points in the first half? So it's going to be eager, eager to see what kind of happened in that locker room after that game to kind of see how they, you know, mentally kind of work through that. But I mean, this is a Reedy team. You know, they've they've been a They've had some really good wins this year. No doubt. Um, obviously, that went over uh, Wake One, who's been a perennial playoff team, was a huge one right there. Mm. So they're six and three to start this season. Um, obviously, they should—they're going to be favored going into this game as well, too. Um, obviously, Reedy's a team that has a very that kind of relies on their defensive front right there mm-hmm. with Brooks Griffith and Jack Jamison. Both of them, you know, they've combined for 19 tackles for loss this year. Um, uh, Brooks Griffith, I mean, he's like he's just. It seems like he's at the over at the quarterback by every single play. He already has nine sacks this year. He's leading all of first go in sacks. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's that's going to be an interesting to see what happens in this game because like that's that's the ultimate matchup in this game. You know, Reedy's defensive line against the Colony's offensive line because the Colony is a team that you know they're a run first offense. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see how like you know. The Colony's offensive line with guys like Chris Keeler and Chris Sanchez are going to be able to hold them up. Um, so, I, you know, if the Colony can be able to run that run the ball against them and you know keep uh, AJ Paget off the field right there, uh, who's Reedy's uh, junior quarterback, then uh, the the Colony's got a chance to win this game right here. But do you think they can? Um, I, I actually picked them to win this game. There you go. <laughs> uh, so, um, and like. I know the layoff is, you know, one thing that might hurt the colony a little bit because they had their last two games canceled because of COVID mm-hmm. concerns within their program. But to them, this is going to feel like their Super Bowl right here. So they're at home, like they want to make some noise, you know, not only try to contend in the offseason, contend for a playoff berth, but, you know, give that team, which had like, you know, 17 new starters, you know, some confidence just going forward right here. Um, like, uh, but for like the, the colony, this is, this is a game like that, that they ha- not only have to win, but they've got to win by at least 17 points to try to get themselves into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So if they win by at least 17 points, then that doesn't exactly get them to the playoffs, but it gives them to the next stage towards getting to the playoffs. So um, if that happens, then they'll get a coin flip to dis- determine the third seed. So if they win the coin flip, then they're going to be the third seed coming yes. out of that district. <laughs> so there's so many scenarios that have to go right for the colony, but I like the fact that they're able to control the clock in a lot of these games, um, you know, and get the occasional timely pass out from uh, from senior quarterback Jonathan Roberson. Um, in the last game that they played against uh, Heritage, they were clicking on all, all cylinders defensively. They forced five turnovers. Uh, they sacked quarterback Easton Swettenham five times. And like uh, Heritage didn't even score until there was nine minutes left in the game. And by that time, the Colony pretty much had its second string defense on the field. They've, uh, yeah, the Colony's looked, uh, they've looked solid. That was a really, really impressive performance against a Heritage offense that's been one of the better ones on all of Frisco this season. Yep. Um, I, too, though, am siding with, um, with Reedy in this one. <laughs> uh, I just think just a little too much on defense for them. And just, I don't know if you want to play the, uh, you know, the, the, I don't know, I don't know the transitive property that doesn't always work in high school football, but when you look at just how both teams fared against Wakeland being the, you know, a bit of a determinant factor there, um, I don't know. I just think they've got a little bit too much um, up front. For the colony, I think it's uh, the colony is going to have a little bit of a tougher time putting up points than they did uh, against uh, against Heritage and whatnot. So well, I sided with Reedy in this one. Uh, Devin, yeah, you did the same. Yeah, it's uh, you look that it was a head scratching final, 
But, uh, you know, Reedy moved the ball well. Mm -hmm. And they didn't have a slew of turnovers. It wasn't like they were just, you know, giving the ball up at will. They had a lot of extended drives, you know, eight, nine, ten play drives that just stalled out, uh, which is kind of uncharacteristic. You know, A.J. Padgett does a good job. You know, he's the catalyst, but they use a lot of different guys in the ground game. They use a lot of different wide receivers. Um, You know, they did give up 274 yards rushing last week um, to Centennial. Uh, and with the colony being a, a run-oriented team, that's a little alarming. A little but a lot of those were big plays. Yeah. And so if they can eliminate the, the big plays, I, I think Reedy's, Reedy's in shape. So it is a 2-1 to one ballot in favor of Reedy to beat the colony. And then, um, let's see, looking elsewhere, then we have a uh, pretty big matchup in District 5-6A. This one, uh, Friday, 7 o'clock at a Children's Health Stadium at Prosper ISD. Prosper closes out the regular season against McKinney Boyd. Who would have thought after Prosper came so close to beating Denton Geyer and Allen that they would be entering that final week of the season needing a win to qualify for the playoffs? That district has just uh, just been no mercy in that district. So many competitive games, and you see that um, you know with Prosper's resume, impressive as it has been, they have that one loss to Denton Braswell, that 41-24 loss a few weeks ago that is just hovering and has now put them in a must-win situation. They have to shake free of Braswell in the district standings in order to qualify for the playoffs. Um, it's. I think this is going to be just a, a low-scoring grinder of a football game. These are two teams that play some excellent defense. Um, they have all season long. Um, I, as far as who, though, I think has the edge on offense, though, I do trust Prosper with a little bit more of a playmaking punch with Jackson Berry, the quarterback, Cameron Harpole, their, uh, their big tight end. They've, um, they've just got a few more ways to, to put up points in this one, and I think that ultimately bears itself out in this one. Um, again, we'll see what happens as far as, um, you know, Allen plays Braswell on Thursday. Don't know if that game's going to have any impact on what happens on Friday. But in Prosper's case, they have to win this game. They have to beat McKinney Boyd. Boyd's not going to make it easy on them, though. Matteo Bianchi and that defense have been playing some terrific football all season long. So I think it's going to be more of a low-scoring football game, but one that I think Prosper ultimately gets the better of. Um, and this was one that we were all unanimous on. We all pick Prosper. We all think Prosper's going to do the same exact <laughs> thing. And, uh, yeah, punch it sick to the playoffs. And, man, I saw on social media, so there's a chance that if Prosper gets in, they could play Marcus in the first round. <laughs> I mean, good Lord, if you're Marcus and you just finished that that run through District 66A and you get a team that almost beat Allen up first, man, that is a, that is a tall order in the first round. Uh, but, yeah, Prosper's got to win first against McKinney Boyd. Again, that game Friday, 7 o'clock out at Children's Health Stadium. And then you look over in District 66A, and this is a matchup that uh, – you know, it's going to have the winner of this game gets in the playoffs. You know, we kind of outlined the best we could these scenarios at stake um, in District 66A on Monday. And, you know, there's four teams that are vying for uh, five teams, I should say, that are vying for the last three playoff spots in that district. And, you know, it's with Plano West and, uh, you know, against Plano and Capel and Flower Mound. Like, yeah, West and Capel need to win and whatnot. If they lose, then I guess there's some stuff that could happen to where they still get in. But with Louisville and Hebron, that's the only certainty is that the winner of that game is in. Um, so, that's that needs to happen, obviously. And again, like I said, there's still some ways for the loser of that game to get in, but it requires some help elsewhere in the district. Um, but the easiest thing is for one of those two to just take care of business. As far as the matchup itself, I mean, you know, Louisville's offense has been so overwhelming all season long. Um, I believe actually, you know, Damian Martinez actually, I believe, just got overtaken for the area's rushing lead. Well, that's what happens when you don't get to play a game and whatnot. Um, you know, and then they get to play that game against Plano. But I believe it's Lake Highlands, Noel Whitehead, that, uh, that was able to sees the area rushing lead earlier in the week. Um, but now I believe Isaiah Stevens, Louisville's top receiver, he's actually now leading the area in 6A in receiving yardage. And it's just got so much firepower on this offense. 
But Hebron's got a pretty good defense, too. You know, that was I was really, really impressed with the way that despite them not playing a game for three weeks, how just how composed they looked and how just they seemed to they handled business in that game against Plano West last week and really um, kind of left that one without any doubt. There was no sort of, you know, hiccup in their uh, in their level of play. And they're starting to get healthy. This is a team that was just really, really shorthanded for most of the first half of the season. Quarterback Weston Conway's got a few starts under their belt. They finally got their top receiver, Nick Frazier, back. He was the kid who averaged over 20. 24 yards per catch last season. They haven't had him all year because of a collarbone injury. Well, he was back. Um, so it's things are starting to kind of fall into place with this Hebron team. It does stink because they, during their COVID hiatus, they didn't get to play games against Capel and Marcus which I think outside of Louisville are probably the two best offenses in this district. So not getting to see how that defense holds up against upper echelon offenses, it leaves a bit of a, a question mark as to what they're going to look like in this game against a Louisville offense that's putting up just absurd numbers. Um, but I kind of got to go with what I know, and I know that that Louisville offense can conquer. I mean, even though they lost last week to Marcus, it wasn't because they just couldn't move the ball. I mean, they still put up 38 points on what's been a pretty outstanding defense, and they were able to put up a ton on Capel earlier. So so I, I think that offense is, you know, is in a is in a good spot right now, and I think that's enough to get them over the hump Friday. Uh, Devin, where'd you fall on this one? This was tough simply because Hebron's one of my nemeses on the uh, picket <laughs> line over the years, where I never can figure out what they're doing. Uh, you know, Louisville has the sexy numbers. I yeah. mean, they're just they're just all sorts of. It's easy to get swayed by those. Yeah, because yeah. they're so overwhelming. Uh, but but one thing I looked at, you know, Hebron's made eight playoff appearances in the last nine years, mm-hmm. and you look at their records. A lot of times they're five and four, six and three, four and five, mm-hmm. even. You know, they're they're that kind of tells you they're in the middle of the district. They need to win those final two game or two to make the playoff, and they've done it eight of the last nine mm-hmm. years. So that's a little bit frightening. You mentioned them kind of getting healthy. They've yeah. got that track record. They've got that pred- pedigree under Brian Brazel. And it's I picked Louisville, but it would not surprise me one bit if Hebron does what Hebron's been able to do over the past few years, and they find a way to get that playoff berth. David, you picked uh, Louisville as well, so we are in concert to pick Louisville to get a win and bunch. It's I believe it was be its third straight playoff appearance under head coach Michael Odell. Friday, seven o'clock, out at Hawk Stadium, out at the Woodshed, out in Carrollton. Um, let's close this out then with a look at a, uh, an actual playoff game. I know we've been talking a lot of 5A and 6A on this podcast, but, yeah, we actually do have a, a 4A team still kicking around in the postseason, and that is Salina. The uh, the Bobcats are in the uh, the fourth round, and they uh, they continue their playoff run Friday, 7 o'clock, out at Globe Life Park, all the way out in Arlington. And they draw Graham, the Graham Steers. Um, you know, the Bobcats are in the regional finals for the first time since 2016. I mean, this is a team that has just had such an up-and-down year just because, honestly, partly due to, uh, I mean, they scheduled a really, really tough start to the year with Melissa and Argyle and Paris, and they started the year 0-3, first time in forever that Salinas had that kind of start. Then they, you know, then they had to go on a bit of a, they had a bit of a COVID, not a, not a COVID-related hiatus within the program, but they had to cancel a game, their last non-district game. Then they got a bye week. Um, so they were off for, I mean, they went three weeks between games. They were a little slow out of the gates against Aubrey, and that caught up to them. That was their lone loss in district play. But they've looked awesome ever since. Um, you know, they've, they've had to battle absences and injuries, but the offense has really started to find its rhythm during the playoffs with their sophomore quarterback, Noah Bentley, who began the year as their backup. Um, they've got a really dynamic receiving core. This was expected to kind of be the strength of the offense coming into the season with uh, DJ Delano, just this massive target out wide. He's 6'5", 6'6". He's a big old, big old wide receiver. Colin Urich, a junior who's added some nice big play punch 
average for them. And their defense has been really steady all season long, just 15.3 points per game, um, you know, allowed. Uh, White Stevens, Hunter Neely, just really, really strong on that side of the ball. But, man, Graham's got a lot of firepower, too. And, um, you know, Graham coming off a victory over that Aubrey team that beat Salina earlier in district. They, uh, you know, Graham was able to win that game in the third round, 28-14. to 14. I mean, they've got, you know, their, their running back, Daniel Gilbertson, is, you know, almost at 1,800 rushing yards in the season, almost 30 touchdowns. Their quarterback, Hunter Lanham, has, uh, has thrown for 2,200 yards, 32 touchdowns. I mean, it's, and not to mention that they play some pretty great defense as well with, what is it, 12 points per game allowed. So um, this is, I mean, this is a top 10 team. This is, you know, obviously the, the, the best team that, uh, that Salina will have seen since that matchup against Argyle back in week three. Um, you know, I like, again, I like where Salina's at right now, and I think that they've, you know, they've at least for a team that battled so much, I mean, they had to, I mean, they had two, two-week absences during the regular season. Yeah. They only got to play like five or six games. So it was just an odd season for them, and they've finally been able to rediscover some normalcy in the playoffs. I think Graham just has a little bit too much, though, on both sides of the ball. And you I know like what? The so to get the they, win. They've played well. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been competitive, even though they oh, were yeah. trying to figure things out early on. You look at that three-game you know, spread, Melissa, Paris, and Argyle. Well, all three of those went three rounds deep. Yeah. And then Paris knocked out Melissa. Last week, and so you have Paris and Argyle in the other mm-hmm. um, deal, and then you mentioned Aubrey, um, who was their other loss, was knocked out last week by Graham. But all, none of those games are blowouts. No, no, they were right there. The Paris game went to overtime. Uh, so I mean, I don't think Solana's going to lack for confidence mm-hmm. if they don't belong on the field out there. Uh, you know, Graham's going to be tough, but you know, Solana's not going to back down. Uh, let's see. Uh, but yeah, nevertheless, though, um, well, I don't know, David, where are you in on this one? I'm going Graham. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it seems like they've just been the more consistent team this year, 10-1. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, obviously, Solano was kind of fixing, figuring some things out early. And, and they, obviously, they had that win over Aubrey, who Solano played this year as well, too. Mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of looking at that little head-to-head little thing right there. So the transitive property. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we'll see if it, uh, if it does pan out on, uh, on Friday, but yes, a, a perfect ballot for, uh, for the Graham steers to move on and take care of Salina. As far as let's see, at least if I can pull up the picket line, as far as some other matchups that were up for consideration this week that we made picks for, um, let's see, there were five other games on the, uh, on the picket line that we made projections for Allen versus Denton Braswell. This one Thursday, a, uh, a potentially pivotal matchup in district five, six, a, but we, all for C. Allen, despite its close scare last week against Prosper, um, staying undefeated, getting a win over Brazel. That was a 3-0 sweep. Um, in 6-6-A, there is Capel and Flower Mound, another matchup that weighs heavily on the playoff picture. We all like Capel to get that win and punch its playoff ticket. Um, let's see then. Um, let's see. Then you also had, oh man, this is a Saturday game. Mesquite and North Mesquite, one of several games that are um, that are still up for abs as far as figuring out what to make of District 10-6-A. And in this one, another clean sweep. We all like the Skeeters to get the win over the Stallions, Mesquite, uh, to win on Saturday. And then in another matchup in District 10-6-A, Mesquite Horn and Tyler Legacy. Uh, Tyler Legacy coming off a win over Mesquite on Monday. They play Horn also on Saturday. We like Legacy to keep it rolling with a, a clean sweep there. And then the last game, this game that I'll be at on Friday, another, another game in District 6-6-A with playoff ramifications. Plano and Plano West, a, uh, a three-person sweep um, for Plano West. So, really, it was just that Reedy the Colony game was the only game that we had any dissension on in the picket line. So You're still going to be in first place after this week, man. Kind of a yeah, kind of a lame week as far as I, I just I love dissension. I love chaos in the picket line, and you know it's yeah, you know what? If we all end up going you know ten and over nine and one for the week though, then that's just how it shakes out. Um, so yes, those are our picks on the week. Just to apprise everyone of the standings right now, because we've been making picks all year for these games. Um, 
Um, David, 59 and 36. You were in third place. Devin, you are 63 and 32 in second place. I'm 70 and 25 in first place. So we'll see how that all shakes out later on this week. Um, before we get out of here, let's quickly run down what games we have on the docket. Devin, what are you covering later on this week? I have kind of an odd week. Yeah, you do. <laughs> um, yeah, you do. I, I have a uh, Saxe name enforced on Thursday, a game that means nothing in terms of the playoffs, but both teams obviously. Yeah, it might be a good um, game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they're just trying to establish some things, uh, go into the playoffs strong. Yeah. Uh, Rowlett and Frisco Memorial on, on sure, Friday. Sure, why not? <laughs> yeah, it, this has been an odd season. Uh, you know, Rowlett has only played five games. They did this the, the zone pod yeah. thing. Rowlett was undefeated. They were the number one seed. They take on four-seeded <laughs> Wiley for a playoff spot back in October, lose that game, and all of a sudden they're out. I mean, with you know six weeks or like a month left in the uh, regular season, you've got one loss, but you're already eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> since, since then, they haven't been able to play because of COVID issues. It's just been a, a roller coaster ride. But they did work, they were able to schedule a non a non district game against Frisco Memorial just to give those seniors a, a, another chance to Absolutely. get up there in the field, um, kind of close on a high note. So I'll be out there just to to see how the Eagles kind of send their seniors off to see how if they can close the season on a high note. Same same thing for, for, for Frisco Memorial, mm -hmm. who's trying to build that program over there and uh, who's also had a missed a couple games. Their game against Frisco this week was canceled. So same opportunity there for them to to recognize the seniors, but also to get some of these young guys another game of experience and build toward next year. Um, and then on Saturday, we got the matinee with the <laughs> Mesquite and North Mesquite. Uh, this will be my second time seeing the Skeeters this week um, in a game that uh, may not mean anything. I yeah, mean, if Legacy we'll if Leg legacy, now that Legacy game is a little bit later in the afternoon mm. uh, than Horn. It would be really fun if they were playing concurrently so you could just kind of chart them back and forth. <laughs> um, but, you know, obviously it's a, a must win for Mesquite. Um, I think they're favored in this game. I, I, they've done some really good things, even though it didn't work out for them on Monday against Legacy. North Mesquite struggled of late. They're a little bit depleted depth-wise. Um, but, yeah, for Mesquite, it's a, it's a win and then hope things fall your way because there's all sorts of weird tiebreak, three-way tiebreakers mm. that come into effect later that afternoon. David, how about you? What's your coverage schedule look like? Well, I'm not going to be as busy as Devin <laughs> this week. I don't think anybody is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Thursday, I'm going to be out at Frisco Memorial Stadium to co go cover Lovejoy and Frisco Liberty. Mm -hmm. uh, both of these teams are going to make the playoffs coming out of, of District 75A Division 2 this year. Mm -hmm. uh, Lovejoy is trying to complete its first 10-0 uh, regular season since t uh, 2012. Okay. Uh, first season under Chris Ross. You, you see how well he does in first years with this program he's quite the uh, quite the match maker. he is but um you know liberty has something as well to play to i mean for them it's a chance to avoid ennis in the first round yeah and that's big <laughs> so yeah you want to if you're if you're liberty this is like your this is a huge game for you, you need to win this game uh to go in the three seed instead of the number four seed so um i'm it'll be interesting to see i think a will Glotch is still probably going to be their quarterback but um because uh, obviously this the injury to Kelder Cluster, so it would have been nice to be able to see Kelder Cluster in person. Absolutely, but I mean, like, this is a chance that you know maybe maybe Lovejoy really doesn't have anything to play for except for the ten and zero record. So maybe Liberty can you know matters. kind of spruce no, it up a no little doubt bit. They'll be motivated to get that. Yeah. So. Um, but and that's going to be my schedule for Thursday. Uh, Friday, I'm going to be out at Buddy Eccles Field for Flower Matic Capel. Mm -hmm. So this is a game that you know. Like you said, has huge playoff implications. All Capel has to do is, is to win. If they win, they're in. Yeah, that's yeah. simple. So, I mean, and if they win and they get some other help, they could potentially be like the the 
big school number one coming out of that district right there um, because it seems like Marcus is going to be the small school number one regardless. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for them, if they can win and get some help, I mean, they could, you know, avoid like Denton Guy or Allen in the first round and be able to play McKinney Boyd, even though McKinney Boyd has a really good defense. So um, we'll see what happens on Friday. For me, on Thursday, I will be out at C.H. Collins Stadium to cover Allen taking on Denton Braswell. Um, a chance to see if the Eagles can wrap up what I believe would be their eighth consecutive unbeaten regular season, see if they can extend that regular season winning streak of theirs after a, a furious scare last week against Prosper. Um, like I said, meanwhile, the Braswell still has plenty to play for. They're in contention for a playoff spot as well, so I'm anxious to see how Allen holds up against what is at least on paper the most talented receiving core that they've seen this season. Um, should be a fun matchup there. And then on Friday, I'll be out at Clark Stadium in Plano for a 7 o'clock kick between Plano and Plano West. Kind of similar to your game, David, except with Plano West. They just need a win on Friday, and they get into the playoffs, which if you told me this at this point last year that, uh, that Plano was to be contending for a playoffs, but in its second year under head coach Tyler Sukup, that is, uh, that's quite the feat that, um, that they've been able to turn that program around so quickly. But, um, you know, talking to Coach Sukup, they are, uh, they're not about the warm and fuzzies right now. They, uh, they want to get that playoff spot, and they want bad. You know, they'll maybe have a chance later on to reflect on what this year meant. But in the, for the, uh, in the moment, they are all about getting that playoff spot and seeing where that can take them. Um, so, yeah, that's a look at um, what is at stake for, uh, for all of us heading into uh, the final week of the regular season. And um, that'll do it for this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. We're back on Monday to officially start talking some playoffs. So we will see after um, all of this chaos this week how it all shakes out, who ends up advancing, and should be a, should be a fun week, folks. Until then, you take care. We will talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all. StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.